Welcome to the Just for Kicks podcast. I am joined by Stephen Pearson. How are you doing, Steve? I know it is rough in San Francisco. Thank you for joining us tonight on a scale of zero to every Georgia fan during that last Ohio State drive. How nervous are you right now? Thanks. Uh, good to be back. Happy New Year. What What am I nervous about? The weather? Yeah. Uh, I, I think we're going to be all right. Okay. Well, that's what I would like to hear, but just want to make sure. Sorry, you really threw me off with that Georgia reference. That was a you know stressful time in everyone's life, I think. Yes, it was. Hey, can we just talk about uh, Nottingham Forest being in 15th place? That's all that matters right now. Forest is in 15th place. The tricky trees have emerged from the season that bears their likeness. And they seem to be well out of the relegation zone. Mike, how does this make you feel? Is that your true Christmas present? Listen, I had aspirations to try to acquire the club, and it's getting very far out of reach at this point. So, <laughs> I have good news coming for you, though. What do you got? I was going to hold it off until we start talking about French football, but uh, carry on with your tree love. Oh, I was going to ask if you had a couple hundred extra million laying around, because... Um, yeah, I, I just, no, this this is amazing. I mean, the table is so tight, and it is not hard to climb it. I mean, Forrest with one win popped out of the relegation zone up to 15th. Like, a couple more wins, and who who knows what happens, man. It's, it's why I love the Prem and why I love my boys. DPL table is tight. And if we know anything about trees, it's that they love climate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. Well, that brings me to my favorite game of the weekend, the Forest Green Rovers against Birmingham City. I just love so many of the names that are involved in FA Cup. Like, you learn you learn new ones every year? Yes, you do. Oh, my favorite one that I've seen so far is uh, Borum Wood. I told Joey I wanted to take Borum Wood just straight up, knowing nothing about them. Yeah. It's just a great name. Anyways, um, it is tight in the EPL. It is also tight in many other leagues that are kicking off across Europe this week or have already kicked off. But first, I got to start with this. Here we go. New York Times, U.S. soccer investigating coach after report from a player's parent. Greg Berhalter said a decades-old domestic incident had been reported to U.S. soccer by someone looking to get him fired. It turned out to be the mother of winger Gio Reyna. That is the wife of one of the most storied, if not the most talented player in the history of Team USA. Bears the same name, Gio Reyna. Mike, what's going on here? Also to note that Rosalind Berhalter was roommates in college with Gio Reyna's now wife. So this story is deep and the timing of it is very strange. We talked about how the Gio thing was odd. I felt like I didn't peg Gio as being like a negative attitude sort of person. So I wonder if like, I don't know the chronology of how this went down I wonder if Burhalter basically like excommunicated Gio or told him you're not playing because that was going down. And then he had a sour attitude, which I could understand. So this is just messy, man. This is a pretty bad aftermath. And my hope is that we quickly find 
a new manager because Burhalter's contract expired on December 31st mm-hmm. and just completely move past this. I think we could get um, sort of a blessing in disguise by his his departure and Jurgen Klopp's um, imminent departure from <laughs> Liverpool. It's it's looking like the stars are aligning. So, U.S. soccer statement regarding U.S. men's national team head coach Greg Beerhalter. Upon learning of the allegation against U.S. men's national team head coach Greg Beerhalter on December 11, 2022, U.S. soccer immediately hired Alston Bird LLP to conduct an independent investigation into the matter. The investigation is being led by Jenny Kramer, B.J. Pack, Chris Markite of Allset and Bird LLP, and remains ongoing. Through this process, the U.S. Soccer has learned about potential inappropriate behavior towards multiple members of our staff by individuals outside of our organization. We take such behavior seriously and have expanded our investigation to include those allegations. Um, it goes on, but this is messy. More is going to come out, I'm sure. I, I don't want to get over our skis speculating about this. And if the matters being described are... Uh, you know, true. That's far more than even when it comes to the World Cup. You know what ultimately is an exhibition. Sorry, guys, but yeah, we will. Uh, we will see. And it's a very unfortunate time for U.S. soccer after what was a really, really gutsy and uh, joyful moment and a marked step forward for Team USA as a whole on the biggest stage. So we shall see what happens. So today we're going to tackle all the exciting action from across all the European leagues that have now restarted after the World Cup. But first, we must start with some marquee matchups in the English Premier League and especially the FA Cup. Guys, the two teams we have been shipping harder than any sane pundit in Western civilization squared off. And it was all kind of frisky when the Magpies took on the Gunners. Newcastle nil, Arsenal nil. Mike. What's your biggest takeaway from this match? And is this performance really all the proof you need to say that Newcastle are as good as any team in the world right now? All right, so I'm going to toot my horn. I was high on Newcastle going into this season. I, I, I feel like I've been called crazy so many times saying that they would make the top four. Man, Man United's making it difficult. I can't say I was as high on Arsenal until they really started to prove themselves. All of this said, Newcastle has the best defense in the best league in the world. They seem absolutely unfazed by anything that's thrown at them. Uh, Arsenal had periods where they just pummeled them. You've got a fantastic Nick Pope, who in my opinion should be England's number one in goal. They are very disciplined. They are very organized, but they need more goals. They're a completely rock solid team. They need to add some firepower in the January transfer window, right? You can't rely on Miguel Amaron to stay on fire. Callum Wilson's fitness is kind of up and down. Uh, Isak still out. So I think that they just, they need like one or two finishers to toss in there for competition. Um, Maybe a winger, just because it seems like it's difficult for on uh, St. Maximin to stay healthy, but they've got the they've got the best defense in the world. They, they have the lowest XG uh, expected against in the Prem, 
and they've faced some very seriously good squats. So, um, I mean, they're, they're a real team. They're just a couple of pieces away from maybe being in that conversation of, are they potentially one of the best in Europe and in the world? Steve, before asking the next question, Newcastle, best defense in the prem? Yeah, they just went to Arsenal and pretty well shut them down. Um, I will say that there were certain points during that match where I was watching. I was like, Newcastle belongs in the Champions League. Like, I want to see them do this against better teams. Um, not better teams in Arsenal, but better teams in the Premier League consistently offers. Um, yeah, I, stats bear it out. Watching them against Arsenal at the Emirates certainly confirmed that they're incredibly well-organized and diligent. So that brings me to the next question. Arsenal struggled for 45 minutes right out of the gate post-World Cup without Gabby Jesus. Second half, different story. They have continued to show tremendous, beautiful, expansive build-up play, and their finishing is getting pretty uniformly remarkable, even with Jesus out. I know it's Newcastle. I know you both describe them as the best defense in the prem but just mentally you don't have your striker and you just played 90 minutes and you didn't get one in the back than that after being able to do it against everybody the entire season i'm not saying they're gonna existentially freak out but how much of that hurts their momentum moving forward does doubt creep in to their mind steve almost surely started to creep in a little bit in the second half but um, and Kedia scored the match before that, and they've scored in every other match this season. And frankly, it kind of sounded in the sound bites after the match that they were kind of energized by certain things. Arteta definitely was impressed by their performance, um, pretty much put it down to the referee and some time wasting. And Jaka said they have everything to be proud of the way that they attacked and performed. And again, Newcastle is one of the best defenses in the world. So. I don't think there's too much to get down about. Um, they've just got two huge games coming up against Tottenham and Man U- Manchester United. So that'll be a little bit more opportunity to prove themselves and get back on track. Certainly if they get results in those matches, then they've returned all the momentum. I think what's interesting, and just to quickly add on to that, is I don't know how I feel about Arteta just going off the rails about what he thought were two penalty shots. I don't think either was a penalty. I understand that you're pushing for the win at home. Is it almost like an admonishment towards the team of like, Oh, don't worry guys. Like it was the ref's fault. It wasn't your fault. Your guys are good because personally I thought Martinelli should have scored. There was that header that was just wide. Odegaard dragged one just wide. Like they had their chances. And if personally, if I'm Arteta, I'm like, were they time-wasting? Yes. Could maybe those have been called penalties? Maybe. But, hey, guys, we got to finish our chances. We, we made the, the positive that I saw from that game is Arsenal made the chances. Newcastle made it that tiny bit more difficult. There was a ball that I can't remember even who Odegaard played it into, but the pressure from Newcastle made it more difficult for Arsenal to control. So for me, it's like, hey, guys, keep doing what you're doing. Newcastle played you really well. Like, we'll be good against Spurs. We'll be good against United. Yeah, I think that's how I personally felt. I think that's what Jocko was saying is like, we attacked them very well. We were consistent. We were on the front foot and they resorted to time wasting against us. Um, Any other day, we probably expect to win that match. Yeah. 
Yeah. So speaking of dropping points and speaking of momentum, let's talk about Manchester United. The Red Devils have done the best thing you can possibly do to eliminate the distraction that is the ghost of Cristiano Ronaldo. They have won without him. Anthony Martial, he's played better than recent years. And Marcus Rashford looks like a man reborn. What do you attribute Rashford's prolific stretch of goals to, Mike? I think he got some of his good feeling back during the World Cup. I also think that there was very obviously a lot of issues happening in the locker room that we didn't hear a ton. Like, you you obviously knew that things were going on with Ronaldo, but you didn't hear a ton. Um, the entire team is playing better. The entire team seems energized. You've gotten rid of a diva who, I don't know if you guys saw in an interview, said he was excited to play in South Africa without skipping a beat and just kept going. So it's like, okay, um, wonder what motivated that move to Saudi Arabia. But um, I just think Ronaldo's attitude started to be a serious issue. And I think that the entire team, I, like they, they are impressing me as a team. And I think Rashford is an incredible player. And he was kind of annoyed that he was being shoved into positions that he didn't want to play just because Ronaldo was being a diva demanding that, you know, he play certain uh, in certain spaces, et cetera. I mean, again, like Ronaldo's a legend. He's over it. He's not like, I've been impressed with Zlatan playing over 40. Cristiano is not very good at all. Well, he was quite productive last season but uh you know when you hit that wall you hit that wall and the english premier league is not a pretty place to be when you hit said wall and a lot of other people at his age uh tend to take quite a bit of time off that he's chosen not to but that's his decision and i think it's probably come out of arrogance rather than uh being strategic that's how i feel so steve uh you were not present for our discussion about Eric Ten Hag, where we, before the season was even halfway through and, you know, neglected to mention your beloved Michelle Arteta as the obvious coach of the year front runner. So I think Ten Hag's done a remarkable job um, given the turnaround and the boldness of the decision to bench Ronaldo, which we did discuss uh, ad nauseum last podcast when you weren't here. But even on the heels of Arsenal dropping points, I feel like this is a moment where you deservedly should put us in our place for not even considering Arteta's performance and how he should be number one on everybody's ballot at this point in time. I don't think I need to say much. They've done all the talking. Uh, Arsenal was a maybe for the top four. A lot of people expected Manchester United to be right where they are, whether or not they expected them to get there how they have. Arsenal's top of the table. No one expected that. And I think all credit to the players, but a lot of that is Arteta's architecture. Question for you, Steve. If Arsenal wins the league, but Newcastle clinches Champions League spot, is that still a no-brainer for you? I would say they both overshot their mark in similar ways, but winning the title is obviously more impressive. Um, I, I I think Eddie Howe is very much in the running for this, and also a quick shout-out Marco Silva, because Fulham... Dude! I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. Fulham's, like, decent at defense right now like i i don't I, i'm so confused for a manager who was fired a couple of years ago and all of a sudden he's like dude they look they look incredible 
Yeah, he was an awful Premier League manager. I was shocked that <laughs> they were like riding him out when Fulham got promoted, and now Marco Silva's got them in seventh, straight off the bounce. It's wild. Yeah, I, I don't want to um, hedge my bets here or anything, but were Arsenal to finish second, second, I don't care what Newcastle does unless they win the title. I think Arteta has to be considered. I, I I disagree. I disagree with that. Oh, we know. If if Newcastle finishes fourth and Arsenal finishes second, then Eddie Howe's got it in the bag. I think Howe has done a remarkable job, but what he was doing was a continuation of what he was doing brilliantly, and he probably probably could have uh, made an argument for Coach of the Year last campaign just for that second half performance, but. I think Arteta's attention to detail and just in every way, shape, or form, just sculpting something. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's on a higher level and we'll see what happens. Steve's biased, so he can't break the tie, but I'm also, yeah, I mean, I, I'm biased. Steve's biased. We're just a biased podcast. I get it. We're also only halfway there. Um, so whatever can happen in the first half can happen in the second half in the <laughs> other order. Um, but what could be happening well before people are even thinking about um, putting any ink on said ballot. We got the other end of the spectrum. Frank Lampard, time at Everton, seems, if you believe the odds makers, seems to be nearing an end after a thrashing from the Brighton Seagulls at home at Goodison Park. This was on the heels of Everton drawing Man City. That has to count for something. But Everton now sits in the relegation zone. We're a long way from the end of the campaign. But is it time to move on? Yes. I think Steve texted us something after the draw against City, and he's like, Everton is so random. And yes, they are, but they're also just abysmal. And I and and like ask any Everton fan, they would agree with me. They they're getting booed off the pitch, as are the likes of Southampton. Um, West Ham, Bournemouth also in trouble. So I feel like we're about to see a, a major manager shakeup. Lampard will probably leave the way just because the nature of Everton's defeats have been so bad. And I don't know how he got them up for the City game. I will say that was one of the worst games I've seen City play front to back. So I think it was less credit to Lampard and Everton and more about, I mean, De Bruyne looked terrible all game. Um, Jack Grealish was on the field, so it was <laughs> they felt just, like it was just going to come to them. Like City, for for all you know, their flaws and in big moments, they rarely seem entitled. Yes, that match they really felt entitled. It was like they were looking at eleven people and were like, "There's just no way we're not going to figure this out." So let's just right. let's just sleepwalk through it. And then it's like they looked over the clock and were like, "Oh." It's over. Yeah. It's a city theme. Yeah, I, I agree. So, yes, it's, this is true. But Lampard's got to go. And, and again, aforementioned clubs, West Ham, Southampton, Bournemouth, they all need to make changes or they're completely toast. Yeah. So, Steve, speaking of sackings, one second, let me find the audio. Uh, never mind. Uh, I accidentally deleted it. But I was going to play uh, audio of myself predicting Spurs would not make the top four and Antonio Conte would not finish the season as Spurs manager while you both sounded incredulous. They looked putrid in their 2-0 loss to Aston Villa this weekend. Will Conte finish the season in North London? And should he? Steve? 
yeah, they had that terrible match against Villa. Then they had a not great first half against Palace and suddenly won 4-0. Definitely half-to-half. They keep having these second-half surges that I think are saving their, obviously their season, but also their manager. Um, I kind of feel like if they keep bouncing up and down like this, Conte might go, but it's kind of hard to know exactly what the expectation was for him this season. I would say it's top four bust, though. Mike? I agree. I, I think that they're they're just a super inconsistent ping pong team right now, and you can't finish in Champions League places if you're playing like that, in my opinion. You've got Manchester United. You've got Newcastle that are much stronger. I think Arsenal and, and City are pretty much locked in there. You know, Chelsea's on the outside looking in, too. So I, I, th- I think Conte is gone. And I think Tottenham have a few more impressive victories and a few more embarrassing losses. It's just, it, it's it's how they've been going. So um, I agree. I, I I think that you were. I tipped Tottenham to to give City a race. You were right. So I guess Tottenham is only our second favorite Jekyll and Hyde side of this campaign. Um, Again, uh, trigger warning, Steve, we are uh, going to assess on a week-to-week basis uh, how Liverpool is (laughs) because every time they sucker us in, they let us back down. It's the world's best soap opera. It's entertaining, but I don't necessarily love it, and we have to talk about it. Brentford 3, Liverpool 1, the roller coaster continues. I'm dizzy. They just signed Cody Gakpo from PSV Eindhoven. Maybe that's a solve for the Diaz injury. Maybe it puts pressure on Darwin Nunez to find his finishing boots, but it does not solve their defensive frailties and inconsistent midfield play, as Mike pointed out last week. Steve, I'll give you this one. Fix your pile up. No Virgil van Dijk. Brentford is beyond decent. Nothing to see here? Or should the Anfield faithful be on high alert yet again? I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of for Liverpool. Brentford's a tough place to go. They took, they beat uh, Manchester City right before the break. But as far as their season goes, I'm pretty much ready to call it curtains. I thought this was kind of the run that they needed to take advantage of to get themselves back in the race. The top four kind of seems to be congealing at the moment. Um, but in the interest of not talking about Liverpool as much, I love this Brentford team. Uh, Thomas Frank is like this tactical genius on a limited budget and against Liverpool and other great teams. He's just kind of been like, you know, we don't have the talent, so we're just going to kick it long and go for kick and run instead of pass and move. And they just launch it in the channels and make people defend with their face to the goal. And they all freak out and Brentford gets a couple goals and the community stadium sings, Hey Jude. And then everybody goes home happy. <laughs> I know. Right. I mean, it's fascinating. They, He's supposed to be this guy who's going to, you know, implement these little tiny tweaks and plans through the midfield and defensively. And instead, they're just really solid and then create as much chaos as possible in your final third where, you know, particularly a team like Liverpool wants to be on the ball progressing versus backtracking and trying to figure out how to get an emergency pass out of the way. No, exactly. So, Mike, to complete this Liverpool exercise, we're so, so... So deep in the weeds here. Let's let's kind of take the 10,000 foot view of Liverpool right now. So we can kind of assess moving forward what we can expect from them. 
what are their assets? When they get sold, if they get sold, whatever, like who are they? In your mind's eye, Mike, Michael, how would you stack up a healthy Liverpool side against the slate of teams we were seeing right now? Like fourth behind Arsenal City and Newcastle? <clears throat> I don't know if they make the top 10. That's aggressive. Serious. Healthy? Well, look, guys. Healthy? Look, they, Van Dyke was healthy when they came out of the break. And I was optimistic for this team. I picked up Darwin Nunez and Salah back in my team. Nunez is, is embarrassing in front of goal. It, it's insane. This is a European, like a, a Europa League team at best. At best, they're six or seven. And it's maybe a stretch to say they're outside the top 10. But for me, it's, I mean, it's debatable. I think that right now, I take over Liverpool, Arsenal, City, Newcastle, United, Tottenham. I would say Fulham is a better team than Liverpool right now. Brighton. Brighton is a better team than Liverpool right now. Leeds. Brentford is a better team than Liverpool right now. And Chelsea is a better team than Liverpool right now. That puts Liverpool in 11th. I, I don't I don't know how like all I would take all of those teams head to head against a healthy Liverpool right now. I, I don't I, I it's Klopp's seventh seventh season syndrome. Van Dyke seems like he it really is maybe over it's a it. Seven year itch, man. And Alexander Arnold cannot figure out what it means to be a defender. So it's just that I think that's part of the reason Brentford was able to expose them so much because they knew Alexander Arnold wasn't going to track. He lost the step he never had, so he can't be too clever anymore. Yeah, he has to play his position. I mean, he got too arrogant, man. There's so many good right backs in the England setup. He's really kind of hurting himself right now. Yeah. Well, before we move along to our European roundup, let's talk about the FA Cup, the most storied domestic competition. In all the beautiful game, here at the Just for Kicks podcasts, we love cup competition. So, of course, we put the FA Cup on a pedestal. We're on the round of 64. So now we've got the big boys squaring off, including a mouth-watering matchup between Chelsea and Manchester City. Which match are you guys most excited to see? And do you see any sneaky upsets brewing? Mike, you going to tease a little uh, Mitz Pickery for us? Yeah, I mean, I, I, in terms of like a big upset, it's it's two teams in the prem, but I think Wolves to cover, and I would sprinkle them at plus seven fifty, just because uh, Lepetegui has them playing much better at the back, and they they're going to be a difficult team for Liverpool to break down, and I could totally see them sending this to a replay or uh, potentially getting the win. So I'm excited about that game. I'm excited just to check out some of the smaller teams. I'm excited to watch Wrexham play. Um, They're hot, you know. There's, there's, yeah. There's, there's always, there's always fun matchups because you get, you know, teams that are separated by multiple divisions playing against each other, and that that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be lopsided. We've seen some crazy results in this competition. Absolutely, um, Steve. Uh, what about you? What match are you most excited to see? And do you see a sneaky upset brewing? Always excited to watch the FA cup, mostly to watch the big boys have to go play in the little 3000 seat stadiums <laughs> where there's usually like a line of 
40 year old British dudes behind the goal, all standing up, um, screaming, but, uh, <laughs> I'll be keeping it out for some giant slings. The most interested, I guess, is everybody's new favorite team, Wrexham. Um, might peek in on them a little bit. And obviously the Chelsea city matchup, um, that'll be the marquee matchup of the round. See, that's so funny is you want to see like the big guys play. And I'm like, dude, show me some, like, give me forest green rovers against Birmingham city. Like can Gillingham somehow beat Leicester city. Right. Oh yeah. It's great to tune into like the teams that are like third and fourth tier against each other. And you can hear like the individual people yelling <laughs> in the crowd who have just rolled in from the pub. It's amazing. Thankfully, like all, all the matches big and small are on ESPN plus. So like we can tune into all. That's what I love. I can't wait to turn on Borum wood. Cause I have no idea what their stadium looks like. They're hosting Accrington Stanley. So they can actually win that game. I might, I might sprinkle Borum wood. That's the most English sounding matchup of the round. Borum oh. wood versus Accrington Stanley. <laughs> it's like, I challenge you to a duel. Stay tuned for more Just for Kicks, where we will be discussing all the European action in a special edition of Fact or Fiction after this. Welcome back to the Just for Kicks podcast. It is now time to discuss all the exciting leagues outside of England that have kicked off after the World Cup or are on the heels of doing so. We're going to break it all down for you in a special edition of Fact or Fiction. We start in La Liga where Real Madrid, your defending Champions League and Spanish League champions, are leading Barcelona on head-to-head. Same record, same points. Difference. Real Madrid's working on two fronts now. they got to defend the Champions League crown, and they're trying to repeat as champions. Barcelona, dumped out of the Champions League, now have their priorities squarely set on La Liga and, to a lesser extent, cup competitions. Who wins the league? Barcelona or Real Madrid? Mike, who's bagging that title? Lua. Steve? Are we doing one-word answers? (laughs) (laughs) Or half-word answers? Lewandowski. Uh, I am taking Barca. To continue the theme, uh, I think the additional match in Euro or Europa is something to be concerned about. But Real Madrid still got to go play in the FIFA World Cup, and they'll be far more focused on uh, Champions League. Barcelona. Um, I'm gonna go Real Madrid. I just think they're gonna figure it out. I think that some injuries have actually given some time for some players to rest, just in time for the most crunch run-ins, and. I think they're going to get some separation in La Liga and not going to need to be as focused domestically as they make their Champions League push. We asked how the World Cup would affect inter-team dynamics. And we highlighted PSG as one of the most likely to be dealing with, let's just say, uneven emotions. We saw Kylian Mbappe return to training less than 72 hours after the heartbreaking defeat that France suffered to Lionel Messi's Argentina, Mbappe's teammate. He kept his business shorts on, as we say around here. But we saw PSG turn in a limp display on Sunday, losing 3-1 to their closest competitor in League One, Lens, in a match that did not feature Messi or Neymar. Now they hold a narrow four-point lead over Lens and an eight-point lead over Marseille after 17 matches played. The wheels would really have to come off for the side to not bag League One, 
but it has to be a massive warning sign for what is about to come in the Champions League if PSG can't get right in a month's time to face Bayern Munich. But apathy also plagued this side in the past, and if their nucleus is not on the same page, watch out for slip-ups in cup competitions as well. Factor fiction, PSG dominates League One, takes on a domestic trophy, and takes the cup. Steve? Which cup? The domestic cup? Yeah. Uh, I, I'll go fiction on that. The Coupe de France has a funny way of staging upsets, but Mike, did you call PSG to win the Champions League a while ago? I did. There, That's why I asked which cup. I think that they're primed for it. I think they win the Champions League. It'd be cool to see Lens pull up a you know a crazy Leicester City esque deal. I don't I don't necessarily see it happen. I think it's good that Mbappe has his business shorts on and Messi and Neymar are coming back. Like they're they're gonna be fine. Yeah, I think they're gonna be fine too. And who knows what happens in the Coupe de France? But I'll give them sixty five percent chance odds. So I think more likely than not. And not counting them out of the Champions League, even though they don't defend with enough players. <laughs> they will do it. Okay. So moving along, Italy did not make it to Qatar 2022, but many of the players in their star-studded league Serie A did make the trip. Let's take a quick look at the top of the table and what has been a thrilling race for not only the title, but for Europe as well. Napoli's in first place with 41 points behind them. AC Milan, 36 points behind them. And third, Juventus, 34 points right on their heels. Inter Milan in fourth, the final Champions League spot with 33 points. Then tied on points in fifth and sixth, Lazio and the special ones, Roma. So that is even tighter than it was mere days ago because we just had the great leveler on Wednesday. Preseason favorites enter edged Napoli to end their unbeaten run and make this race tighter. Is this a sign of things to come? Has momentum stalled for Napoli? Here's two questions for you. Fact or fiction, Napoli wins the league. Mike? I defer to Steve on this one. I think it's flip a three-sided coin. Who's on those? Who's on that coin? Uh, Milan, Inter, and Napoli. Okay. No Juby love. Uh, I don't really see, even with Pogba, you know, coming back eventually. I, I just, I don't know. I don't see it. Steven? I agree. That's probably the three teams that should be on that coin. Um, I'll take Napoli. They've got the lead. Their remaining games against Inter Milan and AC Milan are both at home. And odds makers say that they're still the favorite. Um, they did look a little flat today against Inter. Inter looked like they've figured it out, but... I think Napoli has built themselves just enough cushion. Okay, let's bring this full circle. Things have not kicked off in Germany yet. However, Deutschland's unceremonious exit and the injury to Manuel Neuer dampens the expectations of the side once known as Hollywood FC. They face PSG in the first round of the Champions League. PSG needs their own therapy session, it seems, but the Germans could be in disarray. Fact or fiction, Germany's World Cup exit will more negatively affect their restart than what we have seen from Paris Saint-Germain. Mike? Yes. Neuer is so important to Bayern, and this makes PSG's road look quite a bit easier. You know, Bayern has been up and down as a club this season. 
Germany obviously bombed out of the World Cup. So I think that PSG come into this matchup very confident, and I think they take it. And I think they take it very convincingly. And that is a tease for what we'll be back with shortly. All the best bets and all the galaxy via special Mets picks. After this on the Just for Kicks podcast. Welcome back to the Just for Kicks podcast. So, Mike, uh, you didn't get to share with the Just for Kicks faithful, but um, your your late uh, late move to pick Forrest over Southampton that was a uh, was a hell of a pick. Um, you never left, but I guess it's safe to say you're back, baby. How are the kids going to be making their money over this next slate of fixtures? Take it away. Yeah, so this week I'm focusing on FA Cup just because it's wild and fun, and I want our fans to tune in just to see what it's all about because it's, it's, you know, in some cases it's not the most beautiful football, but it's just fun. Um, been maintaining the the hot streak lately, which is nice. What I feel best about for these upcoming FA Cup uh, games this weekend I really like Wolves to cover plus one. There's a number of different odds out there for what that is, but I think that it's highly likely that that bet either pushes for you, Wolves cashes and takes it back to the Molyneux for the second leg, or uh, actually wins that game. So I, I, I think that that's a pretty safe bet. Really like Wrexham plus 290 over Coventry. Coventry is 12th in the championship, and... They are the better side, but they haven't been as hot as Wrexham. Wrexham has barely lost. And granted, they play two divisions below, but uh, sorry, three divisions below. But <laughs> significant caveat. There's something to be said about momentum and confidence. And also, Wrexham has uh, one of your boys' boys. Uh, former, he was a youngster actually at Nottingham Forest who never really panned out but had a promise. Joe Garner up top for Wrexham. That Joe Garner, the same Joe Garner. Oh no, oh, that Joe Garner is on Fleetwood Town. I was on the wrong page. I, have, I don't even know who Joe Garner was. Dude, I don't know who Joe, Joe Garner is. Yeah, all right. Sorry, <laughs> it could sorry. be any Joe Garner you want. Bro. Sorry, scratch that. No, there was a Joe Garner that was a youth player for uh, for Forest, and I used like he used to actually get good for me. Anyways, scratch that. Um, I really like Wrexham just because they have been hot. They've got the spotlight of having celebrity owners on them. Beating Coventry would be a huge accomplishment, which I think would be really cool. And then lastly, I've got Fleetwood Town plus 300 over QPR. And that is because my boy Joe Garner, former Nottingham Forest, is going to... That Joe Garner? That's the Joe Garner that I was talking about. They are going to take it to QPR, who's been in shaky form, lost to Luton Town 3-0 recently. So I kind of feel like... uh, Fleetwood Town, they're they're coming into this game, and I think that they're going to be the, uh, I guess you can call them the upset of the day. Fun fact, um, last time Joe Garner faced QPR, it was with the trees. And uh, how many goals did he score? Steve, what's your guess? 
I know nothing about Joe Garner. <laughs> it's like zero or zero or four. He scored seven. No, I'm just messing with you. I've never heard of Joe Garner before. Guys, before <laughs> yeah. we go, what are you going to be watching this week? Obviously, Joe Garner. <laughs> I am very, very excited myself for the Antoine Griezmann Derby. 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN+. Plus. Mike, what are you going to be watching other than Joe Garner? Yeah, obviously Joe Garner. But like, let me just put a bow on Joe Garner. Uh, he's won the League One Player of the Season. So like, let's put a little bit of respect to the name. All right. What I really am excited to see is the Wrexham match. I haven't seen them play. Everybody's seemingly talking about them. So, uh, again, a lot of these games are on ESPN+. Plus. I would say that um, between that and then seeing if Nottingham Forest can keep it going against Blackpool, that game is at 10 Eastern, Forest against Blackpool, again, ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Fleetwood Town, Joe Garner, that one's also at 10 a.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, sorry, I'm giving you th- uh, the three games I'm watching. And then uh, 12.30 Eastern, Coventry City, Wrexham. So, again, I'm just going to be camped out watching FA Cup all all day. I'm pumped for it. Steve, what will adorn your television or conversely, if you live life like Mike, your parlor walls? <laughs> I, yeah, I'll be keeping up with all the FA Cup action as well. But between that, I'll be making a point to watch Villarreal versus Real Madrid, 10-15 Saturday. Uh, see if Real Madrid can put some pressure on Barcelona and go top of the league. Um, not a foregone conclusion. The last two meetings have been 0-0 between these teams, and the last five at Villarreal have been draws. Real Madrid has not won there since 2017, so this is a bit of a bogey match for them. Well, unless you guys uh, have anything to say, may God have mercy on all of our souls. And uh, I do. I have to circle back to Mike and let him know that there's still hope for him to introduce himself to European football. There is a manager at... Ray, I have a really bad time with uh, French. It's R E I M S. Yeah, and he is a thirty-year-old who, either by interest or as his platform, kind of broke into soccer by soccer analytics and playing football manager. <laughs> and he has just been appointed. He is undefeated through, I believe, eight matches. Let's go for for them. So there is still hope for all of us that our nerddom will pay off one day. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not owning a team, but we at least have a chance. I love Shout it. out to Football Manager, man. I, I love I know it. You, I know you guys don't still play it, but it's an incredible product that keeps getting better. And um, you guys really should send me a download code whenever next year's game comes out. Hey, man, I, I do FIFA Manager mode still, so, you know. That was the original. Um, well, guys, thanks for joining me on this edition of the Just for Kicks podcast. And thank you listeners thank you so very much if you want more you can find us on instagram at the just for kicks podcast you can find us on twitter at just for kicks fc but please check us out on apple podcast spotify or wherever you get your podcast like subscribe follow write reviews read the positive reviews read the negative reviews question them (laughs) i question them question everything we love you have a good evening i like that ending strong 